Hey, well, why don't we get going? Okay, so uh, welcome everybody. My name is Matthew. I host the Junior Resource Investing Podcast. I'm excited. This is going to be a fun little li live webinar here today. I'm hosting Kodiak Copper today. The purpose of this webinar is to try to dig a little deeper into Kodiak's 2023 drill campaign through the use of contextualizing visuals and maybe try to help connect the dots a bit for investors in terms of just what it is Kodiak is setting out to accomplish. But before we get to the good stuff, right, always housekeeping items, just let me get these out of the way so we're all on the same page. First of all, like I said, please, 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 Mike's camera's off. Let's not uh, let's not turn this into one of those moments. Uh, secondly, this is being recorded. It's currently being recorded right now. I hope to get it published this Friday morning. So if you missed it or you want to see it again, uh, just, see, just so you know, that'll be out within 48 hours. Third, a reminder that there is an interactive section to this webinar. I really encourage that you try to get your questions into the chat. We're going to carve out 10 or 15 minutes for your questions at the end. Lots of questions got sent in. We'll hit those first. With any luck, we'll have time for some more live off-the-cuff questions from you in the chat today. But get them into the group and get them into the chat and we'll see if we can get to them. And fourth, and you know, most importantly, uh, right, please understand all standard disclaimers apply here, right? There's going to be forward-looking statements. Nothing that you hear today is financial advice. We're not your financial advisors. You have to meet with your own financial advisor to make your own investment decisions that are right for you, right? So this is just for entertainment purposes only. But as I say, with all that out of the way, I'm excited. It is my pleasure to introduce Kodak's CEO, Claudia Tornquist, and Chairman Chris Taylor. Uh, Chris, Claudia and Chris, welcome, and thank you both for joining me here today. I'm looking forward to this conversation. How are you? Uh, doing great, Matthew. How are you doing on this fine um, afternoon it is now? Yeah, beautiful day. I'm doing well, Chris. And Claudia, how are you? Very good. Thank you. <laughs> Pleasure to be here. Yeah, excellent. And thank you both for taking the time to be here today. I'm looking forward to this. But why don't we just jump right into it, right? No, no more time for me to talk. Our goal is to help people gain an understanding of what Kodiak is accomplishing and building on more of a macro level than maybe your typical news release. Uh, so why don't we just to start us off, Claudia, why don't you just get us caught up to speed on your MPD project and the work that you've done on it to date. I, my understanding is that there's a lot of advantages and benefits that are kind of baked into the pie of MPD, and it's probably worth that starting a conversation there. Yes, happy to do so. Before we start, um, please, everybody, keep in mind that we will be making forward-looking statements, and you'll be able to find the relevant guidance on our on our website. But to dive right into MPD, I'll just start with a quick overview of the, the key points. One is the location, which um, you're probably familiar with, but just to quickly highlight, we are in an existing mining district in southern British Columbia, less than a three hours drive from Vancouver with big mines, copper and gold mines around us. And I cannot highlight enough what big of an advantage that is. At this stage, of course, it makes our exploration dollars go a lot further than they would in other places because we have all the infrastructure, workforce, everything just right there. And in the future, this will be even more of an advantage when it comes to building a mine, running a mine. It will be really a big difference maker where we are with MPD. <clears throat> so here's the map I was speaking to. And let me move on to the next slide. Important thing to keep in mind is that MPD is not a greenfield project, not at all. It had lots and lots of historic work 
50,000 meters of drilling, 400 historic drill holes. This map shows the project as it was before we started our work. And obviously this previous work, uh, we now benefit of greatly. The main reason why nobody before us could make the project work was that all of this previous work was always on smaller land packages. And we now are for the first time in a position to have the consolidated land package and really are able to exploit it, explore it to the fullest. Other point to highlight is just the footprint. These black dots here on the map are historic drill holes and the entire area over which already historically gold and copper has been drill proven is 14 square kilometers. So big area, big footprint, which told us that this is a system that has real size potential. And then lastly, Important to keep in mind, all of this historic drilling was relatively shallow, mostly less than 200 meters in depth. And that's where we took a different approach. Our interpretation was that the higher grade zones are likely deeper than what the historic drilling reached. So we drilled deeper and it worked right away. We made a discovery in our maiden drill program and discovered the gate zone, which was a real pivotal moment for the company. So that is now almost three years ago that we announced the first hole, the discovery hole, high-grade discovery hole from the gate zone. And that led to a big rally in our share price. We were able to raise $12.7 million at the time. And that really gave us momentum. And that enabled us for the last three years now to execute big exploration programs with 20,000 meters plus of drilling every year and really push the project forward. And what did we find at the gate zone? We, um, Our discovery hole was a nice big long hole of 535 meters of uh, 0.49% um, copper and 0.29 grams gold, so nice long high-grade hole. And over the Two years following the discovery in 21 and 22, we drilled in total 48,000 meters, almost all on the, on the gate zone. And in that time, drilled it out to a kilometer in length, down to a depth of 900 meters and about 350 meters in width. Nice continuity. So we now have at the gate zone a nice, sizable, high-grade porphyry center. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. Thank you, Claudia. I mean, I, I think what you're referencing here is something that people always want to see, right? Is that you have this working geological model, this exploration thesis that you can then apply, and and you get those those reproducible, repeatable results, right? And and that's what exploration is all about. So maybe, and Chris, this one's for you. Then could you maybe just just expand on that concept, right? Can you tell us more about your exploration model that underpins your work? Maybe do you mind elaborating on details and methods that went into building it? And then maybe actually, maybe if you don't mind just discussing its actual application as well. Uh, sure, Matthew, I'm happy to talk about it. So um, it's uh, a little bit on me in a sense, because uh, it was by casting that around through some of my contacts that I came across the availability of the MPD project, uh, well, several several years ago now. And uh, it's around the time that we uh, changed 
Kodiak's focus to be uh, mostly on copper. And uh, this was, I was looking for, you know, the potential for a project that could, uh, if we made a major discovery, you know, could conceivably be in the right uh, jurisdiction to go all the way through to like a production type scenario. And it's the same philosophy that I, that I had with my partner, Bob Singh in uh, Great Bear, uh, when we were looking at uh, putting a project in, then we all know how that one ended. Well, this one here, uh, the MPD project, as, as it's called, uh, this is in the Quinell Belt in central uh, south British Columbia. And the reason that I was attracted to this is because I used to work at a mine in central British Columbia called Mount Polly, and this was a copper porphyry mine. And I've done uh, drilling on porphyries like uh, different places in the world. And I was thinking about, you know, uh, the overall model at the time that we did the acquisition of this project. And I put up some slides here. And, and to be honest, Matthew, I had fun doing this. Uh, it's been a while since I've done one of these webinar things um, because, uh, you know, it's two years, uh, two years since uh, Great Bear got bought, basically. Uh, so when I when I put this together, I thought, well, let's let everybody know what I was thinking about. And I was thinking about the Andean uh, copper porphyries. And I'm not saying, and I'll say, this is forward-looking statements, the metal endowment of MPD is not equivalent to the Andean, uh, you know, porphyry endowment across the entire chain. I would not say or imply that being the case, but I did put a picture together of a few hundred kilometers. And I got this from a, a paper about controls on porphyry and placement. And it's by uh, uh, one of the authors on this is somebody that taught me about porphyries like back in the day, uh, 20, 20 plus years ago when I was in school. And, you know, if you think about it, how do you get these magmas with all the metal up to the area where you're going to make a deposit? Well, you have to have big breaks in the earth's crust. You know, you pour a glass of water on a granite countertop, you're going to get a puddle of water on the top of a granite countertop. So if you want to get the water to go through it, you got to break it. So we look for patterns of large scale structural breaks. And uh, the images on the left of the screen here show you predictable sets of deep-seated structures go across the Andean orogeny. And these are much younger volcanics, so sort of everything is preserved. But you can extend this pattern way back 200 million years ago uh, to the rocks that we're dealing with at MPD. It's the same kind of controls because the same planet, same controls on the movement of fluids and ore uh, eventually. So if you look at that image, you can see on the left that the, um, the one that's not colored on the background, there's blue faults, green faults, red faults, and you see basically there's contrasting intersecting fault networks. And if you look on the image on the bottom, you can see how magma wakes, makes its way upwards from deep in the earth and forms these lines of emplacement. And particularly where you have intersections in the structures, you get the most dilation, you get the magma ascending and forming these ore deposits these porphyry centers, these volcanic centers. So I put a bunch of figures together. And then on the right part of the screen, kind of top right, I guess, you can see a map that we put out from the MPD project. And lo and behold, on this property, which is one of the reasons I was interested in it, is you can see on regional magnetic data, you know, stuff flown by explorers and the government over the years, that there's major structural trends going north-south. And just like you see on the Andean map, you have intersecting structural trends going northwest to southeast. So basically, Basically, a crossing structural set in two areas. That's where our claims are localized, and that's where we have, uh, you know, what we found around the gate zone was up in the northern one, and uh, results that we put out recently, like the uh, west zone, uh, they're coming from the one in the south. So you can see that porphyry centers cluster in these areas where the magmas come up along these big structures. And with that, we can go to the next slide there, Claudia. 
And uh, I, I thought I'd show a picture of what this looked like. So porphyries, you've got a bunch of metal sitting deep in the ground, some intrusions. Well, what these are is effectively volcanoes. So the top right image is at the same scale as the left image. So the, the map of the project where you see all of our volcanic, uh, sorry, all of our porphyry centers, if you look on the top right, you can see images of volcanoes from the Andes today, nicely exposed. There's no vegetation cover up there, but you can see the red circles I drew are the same size on the image on the right and the image on the left. And what you can see there is that what we have is it looks like uh, the claims are covering uh, areas where we would have had 200 million roughly year old uh, volcanic centers and these would have had a number of different magma pulses that that pulsed out under them as volcanoes grow over time and you get the segregation of the metal rich fluids and they form the ore bodies or the mineralization bodies in these two different areas so you can see on our project why we're so interested in it it's like we've taken two of these andean stratovolcanic centers and we've we've got two of them that We've got the claims over here on the property right now, and that's where these porphyries cluster. The bottom right image shows you uh, ZTEM data. This is a passive EM airborne method that we've had flown over the property. And you can see actually that's a cross section and it shows you over a kilometer and a half down at depth. You can see that there's some sort of body that's being defined, which is actually located in the middle of the prime Dillard and Mann targets on that uh, graph. So you probably have a deep-seated intrusion and the mineralization that we're getting on the surface above that is where those fluids are working their way to the surface or closer to the today's surface and making those uh, deposits. So that's what I wanted to show here. And we could go to the next slide. And this is an example, again, macroscopic structure, these big breaks in the crust are super important for us and our exploration models. So on the top right of the picture, you've got our project showing some of these based on the airborne geophysics and other data that we've collected. Uh, you can see that there's major structures intersecting on the property like I showed on the other side. And then if you look on the bottom right image, uh, that's at Copper Mountain. Uh, the mine that was bought by HUD Bay, which is just a long trend from us. And you can see it's the same sort of splaying, intersecting structure. So no surprise, you know, where do you get these volcanic centers developed? Well, you got them developed at these major structural intersections. And you can see on the top left image, some of the intercepts uh, that are defined at Copper Mountain. That's the Ingerbell Long section. So we could talk about that a little bit more later if you want. So next slide, Claudia. And this is what, uh, you know, done a lot of work in porphyries drilling uh, different parts of the world. This is a, a very standard porphyry model. Uh, this thing is about 50 years old now. And what I'm talking about the concentric predictable zones in a porphyry, which I'll do in a little bit, um, you can see that it grades from outward uh, propolitic alteration down to potassic alteration, sort of near your high grade. And you can see on the right part of the image, it goes from having a lot of pyrite in the outside part of the system to having the calcopyrite and boronite in this sort of uh, concentric shell near the center. So this is really what we're looking for as we do the drilling. It's not often this tidy in real life. You see variations in how those minerals and alteration are distributed, but whether it's like I've worked at Red Chris, I've worked at Mount Pauly, I've worked at Porphyries in Alaska, Mexico, I've looked at them in uh, South America, uh, you do get a general repetition of this pattern. And that's the same kind of thing we're seeing on our property here uh, at MPD. So next slide. I mean, yeah. you know, 
Chris, you, 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 you hit a couple points there, I think is salient and why I wanted to have this conversation in the first place. I mean, that, that the repetition of a porphyry and predictability, predictability of a porphyry system. I mean, you know, this is a reliable, repeat, repeatable exploration thesis, just combined with the classic modern exploration thesis of going undercover, right? And so that when you, you're working from one anomalous target to the next, but it ultimately it means that you do have a, a really good understanding of what is there, even if you haven't necessarily drilled to depth, right? That you, you know, it's just a matter of grade that what comes out. Uh, and so, I mean, that's, that's when I speak personally, something that really catches my eye with Kodiak is that, again, this repeatable, high, high uh, conviction exploration thesis. Right. But uh, why don't we you know, we why don't we we've covered MPD as a project. Right. And Claudia discussed just all the sort of the, the intangible or qualitative approach or benefits to it. You know, you established, Chris, the exploration model. Why don't we then just transition a bit and then talk about, you know, the actual application of that model in terms of this year's exploration program. Claudia, you mind just kind of walking through what you've done this year and what you've accomplished? Yes, um, we have a big drill program, exploration program underway. Actually, we're just getting to the end of it. We started drilling in April and um, have approximately will have approximately 20,000 meters of drilling at the end of it. So similar size program to the last two years, but very different in many ways, because the last two years we drilled primarily on gate on our first discovery. And this year we are not drilling on gate anymore, but take the same model and apply it to five new targets. So deeper drilling below historic drilling with the aim to find more high-grade zones and really prove the scale of the system we have at MPD. On this map, you see the targets that um, we have prioritized for drilling this year. West, here in the southern part of the property, is where we started in April. We then started a second drill in the northern part of the property at Man, and have been drilling now um, in total five targets. So in addition to those two, we also have South, 15, 16, and Bayer this year. And on top of that, a big geophysical and regional um, exploration program. So very, very busy year. As I said, we started at West and have the first results from there. And just today announced the first results from the man target. Let me talk about the West zone first and what we see there. That's here in the inset. You see uh, where it's located, southern part of the property. It is a previously drilled target that had shallow historic drilling. And like at the gate zone, we drilled deeper and were successful, got nice long intercepts of mineralization down to almost a kilometer and also significant higher grade zones. At the bottom here, you see our best intercept so far from the gate zone, 941 meters of mineralization starting right from surface. And within that, a nice long zone of 254 meters of 0.58% copper equivalent. So certainly very pleased with those initial results. We have nine holes so far from the West Zone this year. And with that drilling and, of course, the historic drilling, we've now 
proven mineralization over 650 meters um, in length across some 350 meters and down to almost a kilometer. So starting to look quite sizable, nice high grades in the West Zone, and certainly still open to extension um, and lots more drilling to be done. We also saw some interesting geological features at the West Zone, in particular, a breccia, new breccia zone that we discovered at depths, and Chris can speak more to the significance of that. Yeah, and that's exactly what I, Chris, that's exactly what I do want you to talk about, right? I mean, maybe my question for you specifically, right? I mean, obviously, discovery of breccia at depth will perk people's ears, but yeah, what is the significance, like Claudia says, but then maybe again, maybe the question, I'm trying to always veer this towards kind of geological topics, right? But how does it affirm or augment or alter your existing geological understanding and model, right? Is this discovery potential evidence for higher grade zones? Uh, yeah, I would say uh, in a in a nutshell, uh, these sort of high energy fragmental breaches are a feature that weren't expected on this property, which is uh, by the past operators anyway. So I spent uh, a fair bit of my time at the Mount Polly mine. Uh, this is nearly uh, 20, 20 years ago. Oh my God, time flies. Um, 20 years ago now. And uh, one of the key controls on mineralization there, and it's a similar type of uh, alkalic type porphyry system than, than, than this one in the same belt of rocks, is the preparation of the rock mass to receive those impregnated metal bearing fluids, right? So, you know, I look at this and these are two up on the screen in front of us right now, uh, there's some very uh, metal rich. In this case, it's it's pyrite with secondary chalcopyrite. Uh, you can actually see that that's molly, uh, molybdenum uh, in the uh, picture, the, the gray material in there. So we get some of that characteristic as well. Um, and you can see that this is, this is high energy breccia, uh, which has been now hit uh, at very Various levels. I know we talk about hitting it at depth, but to be honest, we've seen this throughout the drill holes at various uh, elevations as we drill through it. And what it really means is that there was a lot of energy in this system. So there was a, in order to get just a, the, the geology 101 view on this is that, you know, if your magma is going to make a porphyry deposit, you want to, as the crystals cool, uh, the fluids and the gas segregate out because you can't incorporate uh, fluid and gas into a solid, uh, you know, mineral crystal. So as the magma chamber cools, the gas and the fluid and the metals, uh, importantly, they end up concentrating in the residual liquids. When they do that, and you can concentrate enough fluid and gas together in, uh, in the liquid at the top of the chamber, it actually blows up like an atom bomb into the overlying rock mass. And that massive explosion, that high energy explosion is what prepares the rock to receive the fluids and really lets you develop grade. Um, if you think about porphyries and you've seen them at other deposits, you think of these little veins that have metal in them. When you generate these high energy explosive hydrothermal breccias, you can prepare a large amount of rock mass and it can absorb a lot of fluid and a lot of metal at the same time. And this is the kind of stuff that we're seeing in here. So it gets me really excited because we're there's some, there's more. And, um, you know, we can predict based on the type of mineral species that we're seeing within the porphyry model, which is inset here at the bottom right, where we sit within this uh, material. And you can see when you've got, you know, if you're looking at this, uh, you can see the pyrite shell uh, labeled at 
you know, 10% pyrite, you're looking at this hydrothermal breccia here, and you're with probably within, my interpretation would be that you're within the pyrite shell adjacent to uh, where you would get um, better mineralization. So, of course, when you're drilling from surface um, and you're going down to hundreds of meters depth, you can't predict where you're going to hit within these concentric shells exactly. But we use the observations that we see, like the amount of pyrite, the amount of brecciation, other alteration minerals to figure out where we need to go to vector into the better grades. And that's the information we're collecting now. What's important is that because we see these high energy breccias, we know it has the capacity capacity to absorb a lot of metal. And that's super important. So I, I think I've had an, a few more slides uh, about this as well. So these are some pictures and I pulled these out of my old notes. The two pictures on the top are from West Zone breccias that we saw, hydrothermal breccias. You can see if you look at those images that those breccias are formed of different rock fragments. So that means it was very energetic. The rock exploded and those fragments of rock were brought upwards by the strength and power of that explosion. And it mixes the different rock types together. And then the mineralization uh, basically concentrates sometimes within the class. You can see on the top left one, that was actually actually a porphyry style mineralized clask with calcopyrite that was brought up higher and emplaced in the breccia body. So it means there's more of that kind of stuff at depth. And uh, if you look at the bottom images, those are similar type breccias that I was logging at Mount Polly back in the day. And uh, we found something called the Northeast Zone, which is now the White Pit. And it was the discovery of this kind of high grade stuff sitting in the near surface. So high grade at the White Pit, I agreed now that on the MPD project, like we found at the West zone and other areas that we're drilling, if you can find near surface high grade, these are the kind of things that can jumpstart a project because you're looking for high value material to put through a mill at the early stage. And now something like the West zone drilling that we see, it's got the right type of rocks, the right breccia signatures showing us that we have a highly energetic uh, system that has the capacity to be heavily mineralized. But importantly for us, it's right in the near surface as well. And we see the same kind of things. I know from experience that when you find these, it can be transformational for a project. Project. That's what got Mount Polly going again in 2005 when I lived uh, when I was working there and living there. And now we're seeing these kind of features at the MPD project as well. So next slide. And then here's a here's a I'm going to beat the dead horse here, Matthew. So um, the the image on the left is that white pit and the northeast zone at Mount Polly. This was the high grade at surface hydrothermal breccia discovery that we made that was that actually jump-started the mine again. And uh, it's at the same scale as the image on the right. And the image on the right is uh, geophysics and it's showing the west zone target. You can see the drill hole traces from the work that we've done this year that have been published so far. And you can see that these are roughly the same size in terms of their physical dimensionality and footprint. Um, the northeast zone, unfortunately for us at the time at Mount Polly, uh, it's se segregated or separated by a bunch of intersecting faults that came in after mineralization. So it kind of had no root in a way. Uh, the west zone looks to be intact, uh, which is great. So we were able to drill down like 900 meters in a shot plus, like basically almost to a kilometer. And it was in the same mineralized system the whole way. So that shows you the size, uh, potential, and a comparison between those two important features.
I think the next slide has some stuff on it too. And of course, as you're drilling through these hydrothermal breccia systems, the image on the right is from some high-grade copper uh, gold material that we found, uh, which is located on the east flank of the west zone. And we expect to see these within these hydrothermal breccia systems. If you blow out a big area of hundreds of meters of breccia, it's usually going to be a corner of it that gets more heavily mineralized because for whatever reason, it has more fluid penetration. A lot of your metal drops out there. And and when you look at stuff like this, which is like, I believe that's uh, about a percent copper uh, plus the gold endowment, silver endowment and such, um, that is high, very high grade material, like comparable in grade to what we found at Mount Polly. And that's something that we found recently at the West Zone too, which makes sense given the uh, strength of the uh, rock fragmentation and other features that we see. I mean, I, I find that really interesting, right? I mean, I mean I'm kind of repeating myself here at this point, but this this real evidence based model that you have that, you, that you've built with your own career, and then and then just applying it in a new setting, right, and taking that knowledge and, and, and reproducing results, and and the fact, I mean, I'm just gonna this is my own forward looking statement, right? But I mean, if you can, I mean, talk about jumpstarting a project, if you if you could somehow find actual high grade tonnage to, to strap to MPD's bulk tonnage pro program pro project. I mean, that's the, you know, that, that, like you say, it could fundamentally change the potential of this moving forward. Um, but why don't we move on? I mean, I think this is again, a, a good transition here, a good segue here. Let's talk about I me. Mean, you had it news out today, right? I mean, you first results from man, man zone, pardon me, are out today. I thought they were positive, right? I mean, how much additional mineralization they actually seem to confirm, right? That you, you have these new lengths of previously unconfirmed mineralization that now exist. Uh, but of course, you know, I don't think I'm telling anybody secrets here. This market is absolutely merciless right now. If you're not pulling up, you know, 40 grams per ton of, of gold or whatever, right? But uh, maybe, uh, Claudia, do you just want to talk through what your results were today and their significance for what you're trying to build here? Yes. So today we had the first two holes from the man zone, results of those, and we're pleased with them. Mineralization right from surface and a couple of mineralized zones down to a depth of 995 meters. I think that's the deepest we have drilled mineralization anywhere on the property. And holes ending in mineralization, so certainly more potential at depths. What's imp important to keep in mind is the man zone is close to gate. Like from center to center of the two zones, it's about two kilometers. But from the southern edge of gate to the northern edge of, of man, that's less than a kilometer. So um, that's, and of course, a long trend. So this area between those two zones is certainly an area we will look at closer um, going forward. And the holes we got from, from MAN are nice long intercepts, respectable grades, slightly less high grade than what we see at Gate and West. But we had, for example, 116 meters of 0.45% copper equivalent, and that's certainly encouraging. There's an image that shows what it looks like in 3D. On the left, the gate zone, and here on the right is man. At the bottom is our new, our new results. It still looks rather skinny, that zone. We call it the, the, um, the hot dog because obviously only two holes so far. And that's why 
for now it's it's um, a relatively skinny zone, but down to almost a kilometer and obviously more drilling to come. So um, encouraging start. What you also could see very well on, on this image is the near surface mineralization. At MAN, we have between the historic drilling and our drilling now quite a significant amount of near surface mineralization. And you see the red zones there, some of them also with quite respectable and high grade. So that's where we got to so far at MAN. Chris can speak a little bit more about the um, the model and the geology behind it. Yeah, I like I like those. Uh, I mean, this image has been up on your website first, been using news releases for a while. I like seeing that hot dog attitude. That's a nice nice addition. Yeah, sorry, Claudia, not to step on your toes, Chris. Like what she just said, right? I mean, how did you target Atman, right? Uh, and did the drilling confirm? The, the the chimney lake geometries and the geophysical data uh and again i guess as a follow-up i mean is it fair to call these results further validation i mean how how, how important are these results to the validation of your current working model uh sure yeah we got some slides about that just to talk about how the model came together and i guess maybe answer the last part of the question first yeah it basically worked again so um, we've got a pretty good feel based on the information. Like Claudia said, we've been drilling 20,000 meters a year for a few years, and we had quite a bit of uh, drilling beforehand, like um, hundreds of shallow holes. So, and historical geophysics, the geophysics we're doing, and what we're seeing, like kind of the features that we look for, we wanna see a copper anomaly in the soil on surface. And then we wanna see coincident uh, resistivity because a lot of the mineralized systems that we're seeing uh, tend to be resistive. And you also wanna see them that they're chargeable as well. So if you put an electric current in there, it'll hold the current and bleed it out over time, uh, which is also very important for figuring out where the zones are gonna be developed because um, that's a function of the sulfide content in there, right? So, and the sulfides that will carry the, the, um, you know, the, the metals. So on the left of this image, uh, we can see that we've got uh, the red outline uh, that you see on the left is basically the same data that you see on the right. Uh, so that is chargeability. Um, and the background information that you see is the resistivity. So you can see based on the on the left part of the image, uh, you can see it's coincident chargeability and resistivity. That's what we like to see when we're doing a bunch of this drilling, because we can see that at gate. Uh, we could see that here. And before we did the deep drilling at MAN, um, initially MAN was thought to be a relatively uh, constrained, like a smaller zone. And we thought we saw this on the geophysics going down like over a kilometer. We thought, no, it must be that man is just the tip of a much bigger iceberg because that's what we see on the other project or the other uh, porphyries on the project. So we put a couple holes into it and lo and behold, it's as you would expect. We saw a much larger mineralized system. And we like man as a target, not because it's the highest grade target on the project. It definitely isn't, but it is shallow mineralization. And uh, there's a lot of deep high-grade mineralization at the gate zone. And there actually is shallower mineralization at gate zone. I'll get onto that, but we are looking for shallow uh, copper in this area. So finding that we have a big mineralized system here at MAN as well, we know that we have copper in the surface. It's important for us for the future. We think in the future, uh, if the project continues advancing, it eventually gets to a development stage, that proximity of these two things could be very important. And as Claudia said, edge to edge, they're less than a kilometer apart. 
And you can see looking at where this would fit into a porphyry model. Again, uh, there's quite a bit of pyrite in here, but we see boronite as well. Uh, we see some potassic alteration. Uh, so, and we see in this area, some phyllic alteration over printing the other uh, types. So when we did the drilling, we could tell that we were sort of uh, looking at uh, you know, the type of porphyry system where we were and where the grade should be distributed. It matched the model that we had. And here's some examples of core from the man zone. And as we mentioned, like it's, uh, you know, you have a very good interval of like 0.45% uh, copper equivalent, or in this case, I think there's 0.3% copper over a number of these. And this is what that looks like when you get into the higher grade portions within that. The, the core on the left, you can see there's very nicely developed uh, calcopyrite. The core on the right, you can see a few features in there. You can see the reddish cast is from potassium feldspar alteration. And you can see there's calcopyrite, which is the yellowish minerals. And the ones within those, the dark ones, are actually boronite as well, which is an even higher grade um, you know, mineral, a copper bearing mineral. So those are both uh, pieces of core from the man zone. Gorgeous. So I think this is a, I mean, we, we've done a decent job here, right? We talked about historic exploration. We talked about your, your model. We talked about you know, this season, this campaign. Maybe should we just talk about what, what what's yet to come? And I guess maybe let me pause here again. I see I see some good questions coming in. Please keep them coming. We're just about to the Q and A, but maybe yeah. What's do you want? Should we just, shall we discuss what is to come? Maybe right. And and Claudia, do you want to just point us towards the catalyst that maybe can investors can expect over the next zero six twelve months or so? Yes. So we are just wrapping up our exploration program, and have so far nine holes out of some thirty plus for which we have results already. So what that means, lots more results to come. That's obviously not under our control what the timing of that is, but I'm quite confident we'll get some more this year and then the rest in the new year. So lots more results to come from our drilling and then, of course, also from our sizable geochemical, geophysical programs, prospecting and so on. In terms of what's on the cards next year in terms of exploration, we'll be doing a lot of work over the winter to plan that and figure out all those details. I can say a couple of general things about what to expect. We called it a mix of the exciting and boring, and I have a somewhat uh, provocative questions on there. Uh, we've been drilling for years. Surely we should we just focus on resource definition work going forward. And that is not what we will be doing. The reason is simply that resource definition, that's what you do when you really know the scale and the scope of your project. And if you look at our property, we have numerous targets and have only drilled a handful of them already. So at this stage, we don't know whether we've drilled the best targets, the highest grade targets. We simply have to test these other targets that we still have on the property. And that will be an important and exciting part of our work going forward, because that's really about discovery again. And of those targets, there are a couple, like in the southern part, for example, added Ohio, uh, for example, those are targets that have been historically drilled. So we know already there is copper and gold near surface, drill proven, and those will be tested deeper. And then we have a number of other targets, new targets that came off our out of our regional exploration work that we have been advancing to drill readiness. 
And those will certainly also be on our list for testing. And then not to forget, with our geophysical and soil sampling work this year, there is a good chance that more target areas will emerge. Then the, in quotes, boring part of our work, um, there will certainly be also, as part of our work, um, some more infield type drilling with the gate zone here as an example, where we have a lot of higher grade mineralization at depths starting from 200 meters and deeper and have some mineralization near surface, but we'll certainly going forward do more drilling near surface to really see what um, more near surface mineralization um, we can find there. And so that type of drilling will certainly also be part of next year's or future year's work. So lots more potential to be unlocked. We're looking forward to more results from this year's work and then lots more drilling and discovery potential for our shareholders in the next year and the years to come. Yeah, lots of copper to be added. And I, I think that is, if I'm not mistaken, Claudia and Chris, that is the end of our, our scheduled programming. And so uh, <laughs> I, I will transition here just for the last five or 10 minutes. I'll try to get through just to be fair to everybody. I, I apologize if I don't get to your question in particular. But the one that I want to ask off the bat, and it's and Claudia, I'll, I'll maybe I'll, I'll give it back to you because you had referenced this yourself, right? No resource. And I think that makes sense, right? There's always a debate about do you put a maiden resource or not? When do you do it, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I'm gonna, just going to work from Cormark, right? Cormark has you pegged at... I think 3 billion pounds of copper, uh, if I'm not mistaken, kind of a you know rule of thumb sort of general understanding of, of you know, tier one porphyry copper deposit is 10 billion pounds. Uh, can, you, did you, can you provide any color or just discussion? I don't want to ask you a pointed question and get you in hot water with the BCSE or whatever, but can you, can you just maybe just provide some context to those numbers for us? Yeah, as I said, um, we are not defining a resource yet, simply because the earlier you define a resource, the smaller it will be by definition. And we don't know yet what we have at all these other targets on our properties. So that's still sometime in the future. Now, having said that, with the gate zone, we have a nice, sizable porphyry center. Um, you referenced the, the Cormac model, and um, that's probably the best sort of public figure in terms of just the size uh, of what we have here. Um, our interpretation is certainly that with the gate zone, we are not yet there with in terms of visibility for really a big major system. The $10 billion, ten billion pounds of, of copper in the ground is always a number that's sort of um, in the industry for a big coffee system that's really of interest to, to major companies. And with Gate alone, I don't think we're there yet. But this year, we have added the West Zone. We have found extensive and deep mineralization at the Man Zone. So we are building critical mass, really with the aim to demonstrate the real scale and size potential of MPD. No, excellent. Thank you. And so I'm going to, this one's for you, Chris, and I'll, I'll, I'll give a shout out here to Northern Lights on, on CEO.ca. He had a bunch of great questions, and this is actually one that I see popping up in the live questions here. Uh, just a question around, I guess, you know, the, the source, right? That given um, earlier in the MPD exploration process, there was evidence potentially of a feeder zone or a potential causative intrusion. Uh, is there any update? I mean, is that something you're chasing? Is that something that's kind of on your to-do list to chase? I mean, to me, it seems almost crazy to ask a company already drilling a kilometer down to keep going deeper. But I mean, it, what's your what's your approach to trying to find the, the that, that causative intrusion? 
Yeah, the causative intrusion, like they, uh, these will occur as sort of a magma chamber below any volcanic complex, right? So they're all going to have them at some depth. Uh, the mineralized zones tend to actually occur above uh, that magma chamber. So it's not like the, um, it shows up as a big glowing target on geophysics, but generally you've got to get the fluids up to a shallower level and then they start coming out for pressure temperature reasons, fluid mixing reasons, other stuff. So I think that's a causative intrusion, uh, for instance, up around the gate zone, uh, Dillard, uh, Man and these guys underneath, but that wouldn't be a primary exploration target. Um, at the future, I'd love to put a hole into it, but I mean, it's much lower priority on the, the scheme of things than actually figuring out how much we have in like a future sort of potentially um, economically interesting way, right? How many porphyry centers are there? What's the grade distribution? What's the total tonnage going to ultimately look like? And that's all more important to do than drilling a, you know, 1.7, 1.8 kilometer hole uh, down onto a target like that. I think the way this is, what we're going to have is a whole bunch of different porphyry, uh, you know, magmas that have come up in different areas, and they're going to have porphyry zones developed around them. That's what you'd see in a major deposit. Like in Australia, you've got the Katia Ridgeway system, which was like a massive, uh, you know, massive discovery here. We're talking over 20 years ago. And there you tend to have like structural controls. You get magmas that come off them and something that they call them pencil porphyries, uh, generally quite good grade. And these would be similar in geometry to some of the stuff we're drilling now at like West Zone uh, Man and stuff like that. And uh, these targets, like there could be any number of these on the project, especially in the areas where we see these clusters of intrusions. And remember that gate, was not known, despite it being a kilometer long and hundreds of meters wide, it was not known before we did the work here. So how many of those are sitting on the project? I couldn't tell you right now until we do the drill testing on them. And I always think that I got the same advice with Great Bear uh, early on. Like, why aren't you just doing, you've made the discovery. Why don't you do resource definition on the hinge zone? You know, why don't you do it on the limb zone? And in the end, the LP fault was the biggest one that we found. Right. So uh, it reminds me a little bit like that at Kodiak right now. Uh, we've made a series of really good discoveries. I really like the Gates Zone discovery. It's a great discovery, but we've only begun to test the project. At some point, you've got to rein it in and then start doing resource definition. But we're still in that additive phase right now uh, with the company. Hmm. No, excellent. Uh, and so, Claudio, I'll bounce this one back to you. Adrian has a question here. Just around network, right? He's asking about uh, recovery rates, et cetera. My understanding is, is you are using Copper Mountain's recovery rates. You can correct me if I have that fact wrong, but he's just asking, is there network being done at this stage or, you know, is in that, in that vein, how much has been done? When might we expect this sort of thing? And then maybe what sort of based on that, what sort of recovery rates are you anticipating? Well, at this stage, we haven't done any metallurgical work that would be very early to do metallurgy. And you would only do it if there was any reason for concern, which we certainly don't have. We have, as you said, Copper Mountain next door to us, which has very similar geology, and they have a nice clean concentrate, good recoveries, no deleterious elements or anything that would really worry you. And we certainly look very closely at all our assay results for any such elements, and there isn't anything that would give us reason to worry. So for now, there's no need to do um Early metallurgy will do that at the right time later on. Nope. I would add to that. I haven't seen anything in the, the the minerals that we've seen in the rock so far that would make it have a red flag in my mind of any kind. Okay, excellent. No, thank you. And so I'm, I'm going to 
I'm just going to ask one or two more questions. I want to be cognizant of the time and sensitive to the fact that we don't want to stretch this on too much. I will say I will keep your questions and maybe I'll fire them off to Chris and Claudia afterwards and try to get a written Q&A done just to just to clean them up. But maybe just one or two more just because there's a couple of questions around gate and 1516. Um, maybe just I'll, I'll just ask one or two, like I say, just yeah. So I guess, Chris, I'll, I'll ask you this thoughts on 1516. You know, what is coming out of the ground there compared to your more advanced targets? Is it the same? Is it different? What are you seeing? Anything noteworthy here to comment on? I, I, I couldn't give an update here prior to having a news release about uh, GATE, but that was always the question with GATE is, is it another porphyry center? We saw uh, in data that we published so far, you can see that it has the soil geochemistry that's consistent with an underlying porphyry. Uh, so in that sense, it sort of matches what we've seen before. There's some interesting zonation in the porphyry, uh, like in the, in the soil data, like there's a molly signature at GATE, which is quite interesting in soils. So I think, like, I think you mentioned did you mean 1516? 1516, sorry. I said the wrong thing. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, I meant 1516. So that's what uh, that that's going to get some, you know, follow up here with the drill rig and you end up having to drill it in the, in the, the way that 1516 is is arranged. It's like you'll have to put a few drill holes along different setups along target because uh, there's different signatures in the soil data uh, along, say, like about a two kilometer area. It's a big target, actually. So I'd say what we see in the public data we've got out so far is consistent consistent with another porphyry center. What's unusual uh, for, you know, compared to the other ones in the project is like the presence of, of molly, um, molybdenum, and uh, just the, the zonation of that soil target over, over distance as well. No, thank you very much. And then final one here, I think just because I hope this can be a relatively short, short question, but just Dillard, right? So in, in light of all of your improving and evolving understanding of what you have got going on, you know, is is there a, and this is Claudia to you, any any discussion about revisiting Dillard or 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 is that still on a back burner lower priority? We will certainly at some point go back to Dillard. At this time, I would say there are higher priority targets um, on our list that we'll probably drill first. But Dillard is certainly still on the list and we'll see more work at some point in the future. Perfect. Well, I think I'll, I'll call it there. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah, Claudia and Chris, thank you for your time. Final thoughts, uh, anything that you two kind of screaming thoughts you wanted to, to get off your chest before we leave? <laughs> thank you, Matthew, oh, for ahead, putting this together. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Not sure I have any screaming thoughts otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, my, mine always relates to geology. And in this sense, like, God, you see so many of the same features that I've seen at other porphyry deposits and districts in the world. It's really gratifying to see them developing so nicely here at MPD. And it's nice that it validates that original thesis, you know, big structural controls. Uh, it doesn't matter how old the rock is, uh, you know, nature repeats those patterns and we're using all that information to our advantage. That's why we're able to drill so many good holes in in really a short period of time no well said and well said to both of you and yeah we'll call it here thank you for your time everybody who's here thank you for tuning in and like i say maybe we'll see a little bit of a written q a follow-up here we'll we'll see if i can get on their good sites some more but yeah thank you both chris claudia and nancy in the background thanks for your help with this and thanks for tuning in, everybody and have a good day thank thanks, you man. see ya